When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Are we about to have one of the great stories in sports history transpire this weekend? It is Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, ESPN Plus as well. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty. And for Greeny, what up? What up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing fine. All right. I'm doing just fine. It's Friday. Who doesn't like Friday, right? Who doesn't love Friday? And I'll tell you. What a day yesterday for Tiger. Unbelievable! No, don't you? You don't have the right to do that. We'll get don't to you, it no, in no, a no, second. You don't have the right to do that. <laughs> we'll get to it in a second. We've got so much to do, including Jordan Reed and a draft preview in just a few moments. And you're going to want to see who, in this latest mock draft, he has going second overall. And later in the show, who really is the MVP of the NBA right now? Let's roll. Here we go! Only one place to start. Previously on Greeny. All I'm saying is root, love, get after it, watch every second of them, soak it all in, and appreciate it for what it is, because beyond tomorrow, you're not going to see him. He's not going to make the cut. Tiger Watch. (laughs) Listen, that's your weekly rewind. It is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. There is no need to hate on me right away because all I did was tell you what I thought was going to happen, but I was there rooting every bit for him No, you don't get to both sides this thing, Carlin. You were flat out hating on Tiger Woods. And I feel like that is a prelude to us starting a weekly segment where Carlin was wrong. (laughs) Because you were absolutely wrong about what Tiger Woods would look like. Outside of what we saw in that par 5 eighth, Hole where he had the, the terrible pitch shot and then the uh the, then the, the double uh he had to putt twice in order to get it in the cup yep. like it's outside of that Tiger Woods damn near was flawless yesterday and I didn't expect to see that version of Tiger Woods at the Masters especially his first time out I thought it would be a little bit of nerves him competing for the first time in 14 months since that accident and the fact that the guy was that sharp. The fact that we saw the ball striking and, and being able to see his irons do um, the way that they were, I, I thought it was a tremendous job by Tiger Woods. Absolutely amazing. He finished his one under, four back of the lead. Let's listen to Tiger yesterday with Michael Eaves on ESPN Plus right after his round. Three birdies and two bogeys for the five-time champion. I want to ask about your round in a moment. But considering everything that's transpired over the last 14 months, how would you describe your emotions leading to that first shot on the first tee this morning? Well, I did not have a very good warm-up at all. You know, I I hit it awful. And uh, uh, as my dad said, um, did you accomplish your task? Did you warm up? I said, yes. Now (laughs) go go play. And that's exactly what I did. I, you know, blocked it out. And I felt like, hey, I'm warm. Go play. Let's just go get it done. You know where to put it. Um, execute each shot, and um, you know, as the round built, uh, you know, I was able to get into the red. Um, I got out of there and got to even par, uh, but you know, made made 
two stupid mistakes at eight back to back. Um, loss of concentration a little bit there, but I fought back and, um, and for the day and to end up in the red, I'm right where I need to be. With that said, what was this opening round able to tell you about your game and your body that the practice rounds couldn't? Well, th- I've been saving it. You know, that's, that's the thing. You know, I came up here as a, as a test run to see if I could, and I was able to play, as I said in a press conference, uh, 27 holes because we went to play the part three, content, uh, part three course. And, uh, you know, I've, I felt good, you know, and the whole idea was to keep pushing but keep recovering. And, you know, that's the hard part is, you know, each and every night to recover. Um, and I've been doing that. Uh, my, my team has been incredible, mm-hmm. uh, getting me ready. And I figured once adrenaline kicks in and we get fired up and I get into my, my little world, um, I should be able to handle business. So you got an afternoon tea time tomorrow. What will the next 16, 18 hours look like for you? Uh, lots of ice. Lots of ice is right. And look, that was phenomenal to watch. And we'll get into what this could all be in a second. This is where I get worried about it. This mm. is because as, and you could tell me better than this, but it would strike me when you are a former professional athlete, when you are a professional athlete, one of the things that you have to deal with is the endurance of it. And I know the day after maybe doing it for the first time, you're really going to be feeling it, and now you have to go back and respond the next day. And that's where my overall concern with Tiger lies to begin with. Well, yeah, but I think that's why he got to Augusta early last week, which was to give himself an opportunity to play the course, to try to recover overnight, and then to get back out there and do it again. So to kind of build in that routine so he could prepare for how his body's going to feel when he wakes up this morning. Because it's not going to be great, as you mentioned. This is the first time he's playing in a competitive tournament since the car accident. So there is going to be an adjustment. There is going to be some soreness that he's going to have to work through. But I absolutely believe that Tiger is prepared for it, given how we saw him compete yesterday. I mean, outside of, you know, the flat stick not necessarily being as sharp as we would like it to see and him not scoring on the par fives like you would want to score at the at, at Augusta National, I thought he was phenomenal. And so I would look for him to clean up some of the mistakes that we saw in his first round and, and potentially be even better than what we saw yesterday. It's not going to be, I won't say as easy. It will be more difficult today. It wasn't easy yesterday, to say the least. Um, but when you factor everything in, Gene Wojciechowski from uh, ESPN Golf Writer really summed it up brilliantly last night on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. When you look at the totality of yesterday, it, it may be one of the all-time greats. And then just from a pure golf standpoint, uh, this was one of the great uh, days in, in Masters history. That he was here, even his peers out here, kind of, you know, they're in their own worlds. They're trying to win this tournament too, but it's hard for them not to notice, not to take a glance at the scoreboard, uh, at the leaderboard, and, and to see what he shot. So um, it's not just me. It's not just the media. It's not just the patrons here. Uh, it, it's the players themselves, and, and, and that's probably the most revealing part of it. But even they are looking to see what he did. I mean, just to think about the fact that this is a guy that didn't know that he was ever going to be able to walk again a, a year ago, and now he is in this position well within striking distance, and it's going to be harder today, and we'll get to that in a second. Chris, I'm just thinking about if we're allowing ourselves to dream for the moment, what this, where this would be 
in some of the all-time great performances ever in sports period, I think it's right at the top. I think it's very much right at the top. There's no question about it in my mind. As far as Tiger Woods' individual accomplishments, this would be probably the most impressive, right up there with the 97 Masters, with all of the things that he had oh, to I think it would pass it in, or, in order to win and dominate the course the way that he did shooting at 18 under back in 97. This would be right up there in my opinion. I mean, the fact that you're talking about him for the first time playing competitive golf in a PGA Tour event, a major nonetheless, the biggest stage that the game of golf has to offer down at the Masters and perform the way that he did, not knowing whether or not he was going to be able to compete coming into this week, a true game-time decision, the fact that he was able to go out there and do what he did to not lose it when you saw the first hiccup on that, that eighth hole on the front nine, I just think that's impressive. It just shows the mental toughness, the mental fortitude that Tiger Woods has. And that lets you know that you're dealing with a generational talent, an all-timer, because of the mindset that he approached this tournament. So when everybody scoffed when he said, I expect to be able to compete and I think I can win this Masters tournament, like nobody really gave him a shot at it. People were rooting for it, but nobody really believed that he was capable of doing it. But after watching that first round, I think he's drawn so many other people in that saying, you know what, maybe this guy's capable of it. If anybody in the history of golf would be capable of coming back from an accident after 14 months, nearly having his right leg amputated, if anybody could come back and compete and win the Masters, it would be Tiger Woods. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny, presented by Progressive. This is some Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. When I think of the all-time great moments that I've witnessed in sports, I put them on a, on, a, on a much different level when it's, I remember where I was when. I remember where I was when Nicholas did what he did at the Masters in 86. I remember Kirk Gibson for the Dodgers in 1988, limping onto the field. Nobody thought that he could even play. And it, it, I remember where I was, sorry to bring this up, where the Red Sox oh. came back down three games to none. I, I, these are the kinds of things. When the Bills came back on on the, the Oilers, uh, Oilers in yep. ninety three, twenty eight to three, uh, yep. in ninety three, absolutely, yeah, thirty five three. It was even more so, yeah. Oof. But this will be on that level. This will be on that level, and that's why it's gonna. I just to allow ourselves to enjoy the thought for a moment. That is going to supersede a lot of what I've ever seen in sports. If this guy does this. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it because he would be doing this on the way to tying Jack Nicklaus for the number of green jackets, the times he's won the Masters tournament. You're talking about breaking the tie with Sam Snead for PGA Tour wins. Both of them are deadlocked at 82. And you're talking about him pulling within two majors of tying Jack Nicklaus overall. So I just that would be an incredible feat. And here's the thing, Carlin, everybody's waiting to see it. That's what we want. We want to see the best golfer this generation has ever seen compete with the guy that everybody is saying has been the greatest the sport has ever seen. And so I think there's the opportunity for that. And with Tiger Woods, of course, there has to be some magic with it. Mm. And this would be that extra something, the fact that he battled through this type of adversity on the way to being able to accomplish it. And then there's what has to happen today. Now, of course, you can catch it all on ESPN+. Plus. Tiger tees off today at 141, and ESPN's coverage picks up full-time uh, on the network at 3 p.m. this afternoon. 
More from Gene on what will make this a little bit more difficult today. Tomorrow is going to be windy. It's going to be cold. And um, uh, he's going to have to deal with that. Cold is not his friend. It never has been. Um, you know, he's had uh, close to a dozen, probably far more than that, uh, surgeries, back, knees. Um, and so, you know, this is going to be a tough day for him tomorrow. And also the, the greens and the grounds in the afternoon will be harder. Yep. And they will not be as forgiving as they may have been earlier in the day. Yeah, it's going to play a lot faster. So that's what you have to be prepared for. And then as, as windy as it's going to be, that's going to take away from some of your accuracy when it comes to hitting fairways in regulation, hitting greens in regulation, and how they redesigned Augusta National those greens are, are tight, and they're not going to be very forgiving. They've got a lot of different layers to them, a lot of slope to them. So Tiger Woods has got to be prepared for that, as will the rest of the field. This is going to be a challenging course the way that it's going to play today. But the one thing I will say about the cold weather, yeah, it makes it a little tougher for him to warm up. But as far as some of the swelling that he's going to have to deal with, maybe that doesn't get as out of hand because it is a little bit cooler. So I choose to look at it glass half full because I want to be optimistic about Tiger's chances at being able to compete, make the cut, and then be around in striking distance when we get to Sunday. And if you want to just know that I'm not being negative, this is all about take integrity. Okay. I, I stand by my take. Oh, come on, I man. I stand by let, my let, take. Let, let go of it already. It's not letting it's go. Bad, it's taking it's integrity. It's a bad take. Listen, it's a bad when, take. I, when, I go down in fl- when I go down, I go down in flames. Yeah, but so here's that's the thing. Not I got to wait until Monday to tell you all about it. <laughs> you can always text me. That's a fair weekend. point. No, but I want to tell you in front of all of our audience. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio, filling in for Greeny today, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can help you protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. And if something wasn't mentioned that you had in mind, find out if it can be covered at progressive.com or call 1 800 Progressive because it probably can be. Coming up, we are taking a look at the NFL draft as we are just three weeks away, even less than three weeks away, in fact. So, one individual has a very, very surprising name at the very top of this draft. One ESPN NFL draft expert who joins us in moments. This has been Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Canty and Carlin for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. We welcome in 
ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed. Jordan, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty in for Greeny today. And I will start with the second pick in your latest mock draft, and that is the Detroit Lions selecting Malik Willis at quarterback. And it's funny. We hear Dan Campbell this week say, you don't necessarily need an elite quarterback to win. And we all kind of <laughs> chuckled at it, but maybe it's just a smokescreen. Why do you think Malik Willis at the top of the draft? Well, first and foremost, good morning to you guys. I hope everything is going well when you're in. But on the subject of Malik Willis, it's really interesting just seeing teams talk themselves a little bit into these quarterbacks just because this draft class is a little bit different. It isn't like what we have seen in the past three years where we knew who was going to be the first quarterback selected and we knew who was going to go number one overall, whether it was Kyler Murray in 2019, Joe Burrow two years ago, and last year was the obvious choice with Trevor Lawrence. This year, we don't know who's going to go number one overall. We don't know who the first quarterback is going to be that's selected. But I said Detroit at two just because nothing matters in a roster rebuild until you get that QB1 spot solidified. They have Jared Goff there right now. I just think he's a placeholder for the quarterback of the future eventually. And I think Detroit is on the right path as far as where they want to go, where they want to build this roster. I think they're going to contend in a couple of years, but there's no guarantee that they're going to be in position once again to take this high-end quarterback that everybody's predicting next year and C.J. Stroud and then also Bryce Young from Alabama. You're probably going to have to have a top-five pick to get one of those guys. There's no guarantee that Detroit is going to be in position next year to get one of those guys. Jordan, if your prediction about where Malik Willis is going to go holds true, then you're talking about a pass rusher getting pushed down the board. And I can think of two New York franchises that would be really excited about that, that being the Jets and the Giants, both who have multiple top ten picks. What direction do you see those two franchises going early on in the NFL draft? Yeah, I think you're spot on as far as them targeting a pass rusher, whether that's Trayvon Walker from Georgia, who's made an astronomical rise through the pre-draft process, six foot five, 272 pounds, running a 4'5", 940. That's just rare athleticism. Even though he only has nine and a half career sacks, he didn't get a lot of opportunities to rush the passer. They kind of had him at that tight five technique of where he played tight alignments over the outside shoulder of offensive tackles, and he was just holding point as far as sealing the edge, as far as a run defender. They didn't allow him just to pin his ears back and attack the passer. So that's why there's so much potential with him and I think one of the New York franchises if the Lions go quarterback at two they could take Trayvon Walker whether that's the New York Giants or the New York Jets the New York Jets and then also the Giants they both have two top 10 picks also they could target Kayvon Thibodeau as well another player who we're starting to hear a lot of stuff about too so I'm really excited to see where both of these franchises go. Jordan Reed ESPN NFL draft expert joining us right now and Jordan that's where I wanted to go next. And I've asked this question to a couple of different people. What is your read on what we're hearing about Kayvon Thibodeau now, especially when people are talking about him not having the greatest motor? Yeah, and I I will say this. um, I I don't see many of the concerns on tape from what I watched, but the motor, the thing with him that I think is so different that's getting overlooked, whether it's Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan or – Trayvon Walker at Georgia, both of those guys had help on the other side of them. It was just the Kayvon Thibodeau show at Oregon. So every team and every offense was scheming specifically to stop him. So whenever he doesn't make an impact on a play, it's not necessarily him taking the play off. He could be getting double teamed. Um, it could be first or second down, and they're just running the ball right at him. There's little things like that of where it may look like he's taking the play off when in reality he's not. But Aiden Hudson had David Ajabo on the other side of him. Trayvon Walker had 10 other teammates that are probably going to get drafted this year or next year. So 
the surroundings were a little bit different. So I think that's why he's getting critiqued a little bit too heavily. And I think that's something that you have to keep in mind. So I don't see a bunch of the concerns that a lot of people have on tape with him right now. I still would take him with the top five pick, but that's just me. Jordan, we've heard a lot about the depth of this year's wide receiver class, and I know a lot of names at the top, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, but can you give us a name that somebody that, that a lot of folks are sleeping on in terms of a guy that can be an instant impact player in this upcoming year? Well, there's two, and I think they'll probably go in the back end of the first or the early second round at the latest, and the first one, his name is Sky Moore from Western Michigan. A player that's at about five foot eleven, one hundred and ninety-five pounds. He just understands how to get open. He was everything for that offense last year. And even though he did play at Western Michigan, he put up some really good games against some high-level opponents that played Michigan last year. He looked really well on tape. So you always want to see those prospects at those smaller schools in the sense of how they played against that FBS competition. And then he rose to the occasion every single time. But one player that I think is going to make a really big rise over here the last few weeks leading up to the draft is George Pickens from Georgia. He tore the ACL in March of last year during spring ball. He comes back and he plays the last three games of the season. He makes big plays in every single game. And I just think as long as far along as he's come so far at six foot three, uh, 210 pounds, I really like his outlook on the next level. He just didn't get a lot of opportunities to show it just because he got back really late in the season. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst, joining Chris Carlin. Chris Canty in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. With the two Ohio State wide receivers, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, are there comparables that you have in mind as to who those guys could be in the league? Yeah, so the first one that I'll say with Garrett Wilson, he reminds me a lot of Stephon Diggs when he was coming out of Maryland. We saw how quickly of an impact he was able to make with the Minnesota Vikings and then getting a big deal recently with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, I think he has star power like Stephon Diggs had walking through the door, but it's just a matter of him improving his body strength overall. I think that's one of the biggest deficiencies that he has right now. But as far as route running technique, different branches on his route tree, a variety of different routes that he can run. And then I think his best asset is just how well he plays above the rim. He plays much bigger than what his size does indicate. So I think he has the, the skill set that translates really well right away. Chris Olave is a little bit of a different type of wide receiver. He can impact the game on all three levels of the football field. He has world-class speed as far as vertically, really good hand-eye coordination. He reminds me a lot of Will Fuller when he was coming out of Notre Dame, but he's much more consistent of a hand catcher than what Will Fuller was. But just to paint a picture of who he could be, he's kind of like Robbie Anderson and Will Fuller meshed together. Talking with ESPN NFL draft analyst Jordan Reed on Greeny. And Jordan, I got to ask you this question because there's been a lot of buzz about Derek Stingley Jr. after his pro day earlier this week. Who's the best cornerback in this draft? Is it Stingley Jr. or is it Sauce Gardner? It's still Stingley for me just because of what he showed. And I know that was 2019. It was a really long time ago. But I will say this about Stingley. This was the first ever major injury that he had in his career, and he didn't play that bad like a lot of people are making it out to be over the past two years. The biggest issue with Stingley is just the availability with him. It's not the actual ability, and we all have heard it, and if you ever have experience in football, your best ability is your availability, and he's missed 13 games over the past two years, so that's why he's being knocked pretty much, which is very fair right now just because he's had some durability concerns, but Amon Sauce Gardner is really, really good in his own right, too. Jordan, last one for me. Uh, and it's simply the quarterback position. Assuming that Willis does go as high as you have him, how will that impact other teams that might be looking at one of the other guys in the first round this year? Will they start to get a little bit antsy? 
Yeah, I think so. Just because I think if they take Malik Willis at two, I think the sweet spot if a team wants to trade up is the New York Giants at number five overall, just because the Carolina Panthers, they have to take a quarterback bar none. I mean, you can't trot Sam Darnold out there. You can't re-sign Cam Newton for him to be a starter. They have to figure out to get a young quarterback in the building. So I think they're going to take one at six. Now, if somebody wants to trade up for a Kenny Pickett, um, they're probably going to have to do it with the number five overall selection or even the Jets at number four if they want to trade up and get in front of Carolina, who who owns the number six overall pick. Jordan, great stuff. Looking forward to it. Follow him on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Thank you, guys, as always. Terrific insight from Jordan Reed. It's Chris Carlin. Chris Canty in for Greeny today. According to research, 90% of employers plan to make enhancing the employee experience a top priority in 2022. After all, a happy workplace, like one that allows for a flexible schedule and focuses on company culture, is key to attracting and keeping great employees. And if you need to add more employees to your team, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds the right candidates for your job and proactively presents them to you. You can easily review these candidates and invite your top choices to apply. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. All right, more NFL, and I know you love it when we hit the music. So hit the music. Let's get rolling With a little NFC East preview, we'll try to take a look here at each different division leading into the draft, but having already gone through free agency and where they stand. How do you like that? I love it. I love it. Plus, it's a division I spent eight of my 11 years in, so why not? You probably know it a little bit. Uh, Just a little bit. So we turn it over to Bubba as our host. Bubba, take it away. All right. We're going to do some NFC East, as you said, and we're going to go start. We're going to start from the bottom. And go to the top. Mm. So that means the Giants. They were 4-13 and 13 last year. So the question for you two is, the Giants are better, worse, or the same entering April's NFL Draft? I'm going to say the same. The Giants haven't done a whole lot in free agency. And the reason being, Joe Shane and Brian Dable want to clean up the salary cap. Now, I think the additions that we're going to see this offseason from this team are going to come through the draft capital that they were able to acquire. So we'll see what they do when it gets to late April. But ultimately, this is about making decisions that are in the best interest of the franchise long term, not necessarily what's in the best interest of the team in 2022. Yeah, I'm going same season. You could pretty much just say ditto to everything Chris just said. (laughs) All right, and speaking of the Giants, the Giants can win the NFC East if what? Uh, The other three teams quit football. (laughs) That's essentially (laughs) it, right? That's what would have to happen. Everybody's starting quarterback would have to go down, and then Daniel Jones would have to show us something that we haven't seen before. Yeah, it's not going to happen. All right, next up are the Commanders, previously known as the Washington football team, and they were 7 and 10 last year so the commanders are better worse or the same entering april's nfl draft i'm going worse bubba and that's because carson wentz is their quarterback it sounds crazy but i had more confidence in taylor heineke than i do carson wentz everybody talks about the physical ability but i think we're missing the main thing this guy at the most inopportune time has the worst game of the season you saw it last year in Jacksonville, a win-and-end situation against a division opponent that only had, what, two wins? And he had a 4.3 QBR. 
That's unacceptable. Carson Wentz has shown us in that Tennessee Titans game at home. How awful was that? Those two interceptions, one point blank range at the goal line, the one in overtime ended up sealing the game for the Titans. This guy is a walking nightmare when it comes to inopportune mistakes. And then on top of that, there are questions about his leadership ability. And in the locker room that the commanders have, that's not what you want your quarterback to be. So, yeah, I think they're worse off with Carson Wentz. They put their confidence in the wrong guy. Agreed. Worse. He has no leadership ability. I don't think that's going to be good. And, Chris, can we put to bed the idea that the Redskins' defense is really, really good? Because I look at last the year. Commanders, the Commanders. Or, the excuse Commanders. Excuse me. The You're, Commanders. That was like seven teams ago. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Get him, Bubba. That the Commanders' defense is really, really good because it's not. I look at everything that happened last year. You can tell me. The Chase Young tore his ACL, that's fine. He had one and a half sacks through nine games. The rest of that defense, they finished middle of the pack in sacks. They finished middle of the pack in yards. And points allowed, they give up 26 points a game. Not nearly as good. Now, they're worse. But the Commanders can win the NFC East if what happens? If Carson Wentz somehow actually figures it out and somehow becomes the player that Philadelphia thought he was and that they saw briefly in 2017. And that defense plays better than it did last year. Yeah, I got no confidence in Carson Wentz, and that's because Frank Reich, his former offensive coordinator and head coach, has no confidence in him. To me, they can win the division if that defense returns back to the 2020 form that we saw them when they were second in the National Football League in total yards allowed. That's the only way that the Washington Commanders have a chance of winning the East. All right, the Eagles were 9-8 and eight last year. And the Eagles are better, worse, or the same entering April's NFL draft. You know, it's interesting. This is a question for me. I, I would say a little bit better. And I think they have a chance to get a lot better in the draft. And I, I would say a little bit better because Jalen Hurt, they haven't added a ton of talent that's going to make them a whole lot better. But Jalen Hurts is going to be better. I believe in Jalen Hurts. I think he's the guy. And I think we saw enough progress. Got them to the playoffs. I I know what happened in the playoffs. I still think that the Eagles are slowly but surely getting better. Right now, only incrementally better. Yeah, I'm going to say they're better. And they're not as good as they're going to be. Uh, uh, you know, when we start the regular season because they do have significant draft capital. They've got those two first-round picks in the team. So I'm with Carl at 100%. I think this team will be better, and a lot of it has to do with Jalen Hurts' improvement going into year two as the starting quarterback. And the Eagles can win the NFC East if what? Uh, The Eagles can win the NFC East if Jalen Hurts has the big year. If Jalen Hurts has the season that they believe he's capable of, if he has a 30-touchdown, 10-interception season that includes, let's say, 500 yards rushing, yeah, I think the Eagles can win the division. Then. Yeah, I think they can win the division, and I don't know if it's necessarily having 30 touchdowns. I just think he's got to cut down on the turnovers, and that's the biggest thing. If Jalen Hurts protects the football and improves slightly as a passer down the field with his accuracy – then the Philadelphia Eagles will win the NFC East. As a matter of fact, they're my pick to win the NFC East. Mm. All right, last up, the Cowboys. They were 12-5 and five last year. The Cowboys are better, worse, or the same entering April's NFL draft. Worse. Amari Cooper's gone. Bubba, you know about that. 
It's not, not happy good. about it. It's not good. Not happy about it's it. It's not good. I, I think they're worse, and I think their offensive line is really going to be a big problem. Yeah, Amari Cooper being gone is a big deal, but I would probably rank that third on the guys that they lost this offseason in terms of level of importance. They lost Lyle Collins. They yep. cut him as a cap casualty, their right tackle. When's the last time you saw a guy that had 70-plus starts under his belt in his mid-20s at offensive tackle that a team just gets rid of? It doesn't happen. Then they lost. They end up losing Randy Gregory in free agency with that gaffe with Jerry Jones putting language in the contract. That was one of their best pressure players this past season. And make no mistake about it, the Dallas Cowboys, this team is going to shift identities from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive side of the ball. But that being said, I'm still worried about some of the things on the offense, particularly the offensive line, because of the loss of Collins, also Connor Williams in free agency, and Tyron Smith hasn't stayed healthy for all regular season games since 2015. So that offensive line is going to be a sore spot for the Cowboys in 2022. But the Cowboys can win the NFC East if if they get to 10 wins. And I'm just going to – everything else – they're capable of winning 10 games, but I think that's the magic number for the NFC East this year. It's simpler than that for me. Dak Prescott has to play up to being a $40 million a year quarterback. Yeah. We haven't seen that yet. I'm still waiting on that bubble. If they can learn to manage the clock. Maybe. All right. Settle down. Yeah. Why don't you manage the clock? We're three minutes late. <laughs> Great wow. comeback, Bubba. That is Great. That is an outstanding comeback. Well done. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance and Every April 15th is a special day in baseball, but this year it's the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson shattering the color barrier and setting the stage for momentous change in society. Now, Robinson said one reason he made it to the major leagues was the warmth and care he and his wife Rachel experienced in Montreal, where he played for the Dodgers' top farm team. Today, a Canadian who broke hockey's color barrier, Willie O'Ree, 
revisits what he went through and how he encountered Robinson, part of our series, Black History Always. Being black in a white leg, I had to take the racisms and the prejudice and the bigotries from not only fans in the stands, but players in the opposition. Usually every game, there was a racial remark or a racial slur, you know, directed towards me. Fans could walk by and throw a drink at you or spit at you. But when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't see a black man or a brown man, just a man. I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Robinson in 1949. I was playing baseball in my hometown. Uh, We won the championship that year, and the reward was our team was going to be taken to New York. I met Mr. Robinson at, at, uh, at Ebbets Field after the game, uh, shook hands with him and uh, told him a little bit about my um, baseball career. And I also told him that uh, I not only played baseball, but I, I played hockey. And Mr. Robinson was surprised that um, there were some um, black kids uh, playing hockey at that time. But he just told me, he said, whatever sport you choose, he says, work hard uh, and uh, stay focused on, on what you want to do. On January the 18th, 1958, when I stepped on the ice in in the Montreal Forum uh, and became the first black player in the league, it was quite a thrill. I I didn't realize that I had broke the color barrier and opened the doors up for other players of color and black players until I read it in the paper the next day. I received an invitation uh, from the NAACP to a luncheon in Mr. Robinson's honor. And uh, Mr. Robinson looked me in the eye and he says, Willie O'Ree, he says, aren't you the young fellow I met in Brooklyn? So he remembered me from 1949 when I met him at Ebbets Field to 1962. Over the millions of people that he's met over the years, uh, he singled me out and and was able to remember me. I was overwhelmed and I was at a loss for words there for a few seconds. Since I left the league, I think there's been about 100 uh, black players playing in the National Hockey League. And it's a nice feeling when they... uh, Say to me, Willie, I I can't imagine what you had to go through to make it possible for players like me to play in the league. It's just an honor. I'm so proud to be called the Jackie Robinson of hockey. Willie O'Ree, who dealt with an eye injury and pretty much had to hide it to make it to the NHL, breaking the color barrier in the National Hockey League. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Could it be one of the great weekends in sports history? That's next. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.